so glad you're here. You know, it's Compassion Sunday, and I'm, I'm excited about this day. We've thought about this day and prayed for this day. And, and um, you know, as, uh, before we jump in, though, I want to remind us of Romans 15, 13. It says this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, it's my prayer that we as, as followers of Christ will be those that overflow with hope. Um, this morning, how I want to start is I want us to pray. I want us to pray for our president. I want us to pray for our nation. Um, and I think that's just a great place to begin today. So would you join me? Do that. Lord Jesus, we understand our need for you. And you have met us, those that know you as, as in this room, that are watching online, you have met us with grace and strength and hope. And Father, right now, we as a, as a body come before you to pray for our president as he is in the hospital. Pray you would touch his body, you touch his heart, his mind. Lord, I pray for the division in our country, that we as a church would overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for that, Lord. I pray that we would be faithful. I pray for our, the decisions that are coming up in our nation. Lord, may we, as your body, come together. We've already learned, Lord, that when we come together, the world recognizes you. And we know, Father, that's the greatest need among people all over the world. May we see you even this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, um, in my walk with the Lord, one of the most meaningful disciplines that I've had has been journaling. And I don't know if you've done that or gotten into that habit of writing things down when God speaks to you or keeping a, a record of your, of your walk with the Lord. And, and I would encourage you to do that because it's, it's, it's incredible to be able to look back on your, your journals and your times when God has spoken to you. And, and, and that's very valuable as we think about our walk with the Lord, as we, as we encounter the Lord on a daily basis. And, and, and being able to, to recognize, and I don't know if you, if you walk with the Lord, you found this, but, but, but I found that when I look back on my journals or my writings, that, that God didn't leave me where I was. God moves me to spiritual growth and, to, and uh, lessons learned. And, and, and God doesn't leave us idle or leave us, let us be still. And, you know, um, 2020 has been a crazy uh, time. I mean, and, 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 and what I did this week, as I've been praying for this, this day with Owen is with us. And, but, but I went back to the beginning of 2020. Uh, the first message that we heard from in the Word of God as a church, and I don't know if you, if you were here 
on the first Sunday of 2020. And, and, and I'll tell you, um, here's what I've learned about the Lord, is that following the Lord is not a, a formula for prevention of tough times. It doesn't mean you're exempt from difficult circumstances. The miracle of following the Lord is that he walks us through tough times. And that's what we've discerned. And at the beginning of 2020, um, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the same passage we looked at on the first Sunday of 2020. I I think it's important for us today to go back to revisit something the Lord spoke, to, uh, something the Lord said to us, and how the Lord moved us, and and you know today's a little different because um, we wanted everybody to hear this message. So at Calvary, they're watching, and and, uh, and and normally we don't do this where Calvary is is seeing us here, but because uh, we have this value of live preaching in this pursuit that we're on, and uh, of a multi-campus, multi-site um, calling that we have, um, but. To Today, we wanted everybody to hear this because it's Compassion Sunday, and it's an important day for all of us. But Matthew 9 is where I want you to be. Matthew 9, and we're going to look at 35 through 38 is where we're going to be. And this was the the same passage we looked at on the very first Sunday of 2020. Now, on that Sunday, we, none of us anticipated, none of us were able to look forward and to consider the twists and turns of 2020. We, we, none of, we didn't know what those were going to be, but it's interesting as we look at how God led us. But if you have your Bible, stand with me and let's read this passage, Matthew 9, starting in verse 36, excuse me, 35. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, the, the first end of the year, one of the things we processed is that we, we talked about um, how important it, uh, it, it was for us to understand that God called us to this place at this time. And, and you know, in my notes, I, I just went and looked at my notes from that first sermon. And, and, and I, I, I mentioned that, that God's planted us here for, for a reason. And that, that it's not a, a surprise to him that, that 2020 was, uh, was our calling, was our time to serve the Lord. Um, I said on, on that day that God has called us to this church and each one of us have a role to play. I made that statement in the, in the message. Here's what, I, here's what here, directly from my notes, 2020 will be a year of expansion for us. And you know what, today, it's so cool that, that today at the Calvary campus, we had our first uh, Spanish language group that started today. Isn't that cool? That's amazing. Um, but one of the things I, I put in my notes on that first Sunday, I said, it's my prayer that we engage our community more effectively than ever before. Now, I didn't anticipate when, I, when that was in my notes that Easter would be completely online. 
I didn't see that at that moment. And, and, and you know, when I think about Easter this year, oh my goodness, uh, what, what a crazy four months we were online as a church. And, and, and then I put in my notes, when I look at the people all around me, I'm burdened for the brokenness that I see. Now, what I didn't anticipate is how the brokenness of culture and, and life would come to the forefront for all of us as we think about the, the fear of death that so many are embracing right now. I wrote in my notes, I love this church and I passionately believe God has planted this light here for a reason, that God has given us a platform of ministry here in Owasso, in Tulsa as well. And, and that God's done that for a reason. He's entrusted us with this responsibility. I, I wrote in here, I came in 2012 and have, and have seen how the Lord has used this body of believers in this city, and I'm, a grateful, for, I'm grateful for all that God has accomplished. And, and you know what? I, it's, it's amazing that God has chosen to put his hand on our church. And, and, and I said this. It was a bullet. I said, though God is using us, I keep reviewing one of my memory verses in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. And you know what it says? Therefore, if you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. For no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, now I didn't anticipate that we would walk through, that I as a pastor would walk through one of the greatest challenges of my entire life in ministry. As a pastor, I, I didn't anticipate that. But, but I'm comforted as I look back at my notes, as I look back at the record, that, that I'm reminded that God is saying, Chris, I've already told you, I've already prepared you that you're not going to be tempted beyond what you can bear. That I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. So back to Matthew 9, look at this. Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. Now, this is early in Jesus' ministry. We understand that he, the crowds were following him. He had their attention. And, and what's he doing? He's proclaiming the gospel. He's proclaiming the news of the kingdom of God, that, that there's salvation, there's hope in the midst of chaos in the world. And what's he doing? He's meeting people. He's meeting their needs. He's healing, it says, every disease and every affliction. And, and so Jesus is not only preaching a clear gospel message, but he's serving people in tangible ways. I love that. And, and you know what I think about as a church? And in my notes, I put in here, I, I'm praying that we as a church, that, that that, that we're known for teaching God's word clearly. I, I, prayed, I said that in the beginning of 2020. I said, I'm praying that we are a church that's able to communicate who Jesus is and what he can do for others. I pray that that's what we are. I, I said, I pray that we are a church that actually helps people. And then, you know what I asked on that first Sunday? I said, we gotta get on our knees. Let's get on our knees. And on that first Sunday, everybody that could, we got on our knees and asked God to lead us. And, and we just sang an incredible truth. 
that is such a great truth when he said, he's never going to let us down, ever. Because God's faithful. Now, when you think about this passage, look at verse 36. This was a big, big verse for us on the first Sunday of the year, Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And, and one of the points that I had on that first Sunday is we've got to pay attention to the crowds. Because, you know, we have often been in a crowd but not noticed the crowd. And one of the things we've, I've been praying for as your pastor is, Lord, help us see the crowds. Help us see people. And today is this Compassion Sunday. And, and God has, we have a guest with us. Owen, I want you to come up. But welcome, Owen. Owen is, now Owen, Gethenga, right? Did I say it right? Gethenga. Is that close? Yeah. I want to get it right. Gethenga. 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 Mm-hmm. I got it. Sort of. Man, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. And um, uh, man, um, we've been praying about a partnership with Compassion for the last three years. This started in the heart of Keith Davis. And Keith and Brad started uh, working on this and praying about this. And, and, and then the plan was, as we prayed through it, we thought, yeah, 2020, that's the year. We'll start the decade with a Compassion uh, Partnership. And, and then the world went crazy. And we wrestled, man, should we table this? And we're like, no. But it's financially uncertain times. Even better, we need to do this. And, and Owen, I'm so thankful that you're here. So here's, I, wanna, I want you to help us a little bit today. Help me a little bit today. Now, you're from Kenya. Um, and I want you to help us understand what it was like growing up in Kenya, Africa. Would you help us with that a little bit? Sure, yeah. Praise the Lord, church. So, poverty growing up in Kenya. If there's a word that would describe my life growing up as a kid, it was survival. Survival because you, I woke up in the morning and I had no idea when the next plate of food would come from. You know, we did not have a fridge that when I got hungry, you would just go open and get something out of the fridge. We didn't have electricity anyway, so we couldn't have a fridge. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a family of three boys, and my mom, who was a sole breadwinner, she would make about 5 to $10 a month. And I mean, 5 to $10 a month to be able to support four people, that was uh, impossible. So I woke up in the morning and I had no idea when the next plate of food would come from. And sometimes it would go for days without having food to eat. And, and really that's what pushed me to going and knocking on people's doors begging for food. Because if you've ever gone hungry for more than a day, you become desperate for food. But unfortunately, my experience when I went to knock on these people's doors, I mean, I had knocked on their doors so many times before. So they were tired of seeing my face again and again. And so a lot of times when they, when they opened the door and they saw my face, they, they shut the door on my face. And, uh, you know, the few times they let me in, they, they did make the point to, to humiliate me. And, you know, just because my mom wouldn't be able to provide us with food. And, I mean, that was hard. We never had access to clean water. Never had faucets that you would turn on and choose either hot or cold water. 
but the source of water that we had originated from a slaughterhouse. And you can imagine all that waste going into the river, and that's the same water that we would drink out of and cook with. But I feel like one of the worst things about growing up in poverty was that every time we got sick, my mom told us that just hope you're, going, you're fine because I do not have the money to take you to hospital when you get sick. And back in those days, if you showed up in a hospital and you did not have the money, irrespective of the condition you were in, they would not take you in. And uh, so the year that I was born, there was a huge measles outbreak that took lives of thousands of kids. And uh, my mom told me that, you know, that that night when she was holding me and, and, you know, and my fever kept rising and I grew weaker and weaker and weaker, she didn't think I would make it through the end of the night. But by the, grace, by the grace of God, I did, just like so many other times in my life. And I mean, poverty is bad. I would never wish poverty on anybody. But the absolute worst thing about poverty is not the lack of food or the lack of clothes or water or the medical care. The absolute worst thing about poverty is the hopelessness that comes from poverty. It's when people looked at me straight in the eyes and told me that I am worthless. When they looked at me and they told me that nothing good will ever come out of my life. I mean, I had a dream just like every other kid. I, my dream was a little bit different because it never changed. You know, I never wanted to become a lawyer, a doctor, or a pilot, or a superhero. I always wanted to become an accountant. <laughs> I know, it's interesting. <laughs> but when, you know, when people ask me, because we love to ask kids, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they asked me, and I told them with a smile in my face, I want to become an accountant. But it's what they told me that kind of wiped the smile off my face. Because they told me, don't waste your time dreaming. Because none of your dreams will ever come true. I mean, those words, they sunk the little hope that I had. They took it, they crushed it. Unfortunately, that was what was repeated to me. That became a record time and time again. But when people looked at me, they saw nothing. When people looked at me, they thought that I was worthless. When people looked at me, they thought nothing good will ever come out of my life. You know, when people looked at me, they told me, me dreaming is a waste of my time because that would never come to happen. I mean, that was hard because I wanted to believe otherwise. But when I looked around me, everything spelled hopeless. I wanted to be stubborn and think that maybe I'm going to be the odd one out who breaks out of the cycle of poverty. Generational poverty because poverty had been recycled, cycled all over my family, from my grandparents to my mom to my brothers. Everybody was stuck in this cycle of poverty. And to think that me, little me, would be the one that breaks out of this cycle, I, I gave up and I started to believe them when they told me that I was worthless. I believed them. You know, it's, it's fascinating because the, the poverty problem seems so massive, doesn't it? I mean, think about the world and the poverty struggle. And, 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 and as I was thinking about um, 
Escarlath. This is the little girl that, from Nicaragua that we are sponsoring, our family. Friday, Robin and I came through, and um, I was like, Robin, you choose. And she chose Escarlath. And, um, and, you know, it reminded me of that starfish story. You remember, remember that? Remember the starfish story? It's an old story. I, I remember hearing it as a kid. Maybe, maybe John Piper wrote about it or something. I, I can't remember where I read it first. But it's that, that story of that little kid that's on the beach. Remember that story? And he's on the beach, and it's filled with starfish that are, that are dying, and they're on the beach. And, and this kid's walking through, and he's throwing them back in the ocean, the starfish back in the ocean. And this man walks by and says, kid, what are you doing? You can't possibly... Uh, save all these starfish. And he grabbed that st- the one starfish off the ground and he threw it. He goes, well, I can save that one. And, and you know, when I think about our calling, Keith Davis is, is our missions pastor here. And he's been here a long time if you don't know him. But, but I was on a mission trip with him not too long ago. And we were hanging out with these mission guys. And, and this missionary was discouraged and, and we were trying to do something hard. And he just was, he looked at Keith and I, and he said, you know what? I just don't think you're going to make a difference here. And, and you know what Keith said? He kind of got a little wound up, a little Arkansas freaky there for a second. And, and you know what he said? He goes, let me tell you something. And he kind of sat up in his chair. He goes, let me tell you something. Doing nothing is not an option for us. And that's worth writing down. Doing nothing is not an option for us. When when I think about the problems in the world and, 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 you know, look at Matthew 9, 36. Let's look at it. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And we've already learned to be a people that we pay attention to the Lord. And this is, this is important for us. We pay attention to the Lord. We pay attention to our surroundings. We look and see where God is working and we join him. That's what, something we've been learning to do, that, that, that we pay attention to people. This entire year, one of the things that we've been saying is let's notice the crowds. And God has brought Nicaragua in front of our eyes. And so, Owen, I want you to help us understand with compassion. How did you get connected with them? And tell us that story because Though we're not going to be in Kenya, God's leading us to Nicaragua. I want you to help us understand that a little bit. Yeah. It, it was about, I was about eight years old when my mom heard about compassion and that they were taking kids in. And so we ended up in this church because this is how compassion works. Is compassion works through the local church. And you know, uh, compassion obviously has to do an audit to make sure before they take the kid in that, you know, the kid needs the help. And so they do home visits. They make sure that these kids really do need the help. And it didn't take very much convincing that we needed help. And so I got, I got sponsored through Compassion. And they took a picture of me. And they printed a packet just like this. And a funny story that I told in the first service was, uh, the first time I took a picture was when they took a picture of me, uh, you know, for, so that they can print out the packet. And uh, a friend of ours played a trick on us uh, because we hadn't taken a picture before. And he said that the camera flash is really painful. So to watch out for that. <laughs> and, and so the first picture I, I, I ever took, 
uh, as a child, I was probably frightened uh, because, uh, yeah, I waited for the pain that never seemed to arrive. <laughs> but then they printed my picture like this, and they, you know, they, uh, they created the packet and they sent it to, you know, to America. And, and a guy saw my picture and decided, I'm going to sponsor this kid. So I got sponsored through Compassion. So what that meant for me is I, you know, I ended up in this church that, you know, I met these teachers who were hired by Compassion, and Compassion does, you know, they, they, before they hire you as a teacher, you have, you know, you have to be active in, you know, only, you know, your, your, your relationship with God by, you know, you walk with God. And so every teacher who is hired by Compassion, they have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And, you know, me going to the, to, the, to, uh, to the compassion program, I met all these people who, they were very warm and, and loving towards me. And this was something that was so different. I mean, I could tell these people are so different than the people out there who seemed to think I'm worthless and hopeless. I couldn't pinpoint what it was, but I could tell there was something different about these people. And then I got my first letter from my sponsor. And I mean... I kept that letter so long, and it got, it got torn, but every time it got torn, I, I put it back together with tape, because it had three words that no one had ever said to me before. It had the words, I love you. And the first time I ever heard those words was from a letter from my sponsor. I mean, what are the odds that a guy in America would reach out to a boy in Nairobi, Kenya? And tell them for the first time in their lives that they are loved. I mean, that was huge. And, and then I kind of found out pretty quickly the reason why these teachers, these people at the church were so different is because they were Jesus people. Because these people wouldn't, talk, they wouldn't shut up talking about Jesus. I am not kidding. From the first time I stepped foot into that church, these people wouldn't shut up talking about Jesus. And I did not know Jesus before I joined Compassion. But I mean, we went to the church, and these people talked about a God. This, this God who nothing was impossible to. This God who had a hope and a future for me. This God who knew me. And I mean, there was, this was so different. And we would sing all these happy songs, read all these scriptures, memorize all these scriptures. And I was like, it, it was, I mean, at the heart of what compassion does is Jesus. I'm not kidding. These people don't shut up talking about Jesus. And, and, and so I lived in these two different worlds where I would hear about this God and these beautiful things that he has in store for me. About this God who has a plan and a purpose for my life. And then I would go back home to the same people who looked at me straight in the eyes and told me that I am worthless and I will never amount to anything. And you know, I kind of grew tired. And I thought, maybe I'm going to go to that church and I'm going to accept their Jesus and these people will turn, turn it down talking about Jesus. Uh, yeah, I was very wrong because these people didn't turn it, turn it down. But I went to the church and I said, I've come to accept you, Jesus. And so I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I did not know what I got myself into. But that 
was the best decision I ever made was to accept Christ. I thought I would shut them up, but these people didn't shut up. But I remember that day, I went home, but there was something that was so different about me. I couldn't tell what it was. I couldn't pinpoint what it was, but I could tell that there was something different about me. And then I sat down and I thought about it, and I I didn't have anything to lose. So why don't I try their Jesus and see if what they say about this Jesus is really true. And so I got into the Word, and I started cultivating this relationship with this Jesus. And something started to happen. Because when I started to spend time in the Word, when I started to spend time with my God, is, is there were scales in my eyes that all of a sudden fell down. That I was blind, but now I could see. That I read the Word, and I read the truth, and the truth started to set me free. But here's the thing, the poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. Mm -hmm. Amen, amen. I'm going to say this again because this is it. If you do not get anything from what I say today, the poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. Because it's a very big misconception that people think, about poverty. People think poverty is physical. But I mean, I can tell you this. If, if, if my life, if, if it was just getting food once a week, if it was just, you know, that I couldn't access medical, if that was all about poverty, I could have done that. But living life knowing you will never amount to anything, The mental aspect, the spiritual aspect of poverty is the worst thing about poverty. And you know, and and so a lot of people go and throw money at these poor people. But you know what money can do? Money can change the outside. But money can never change the inside. But there's something that Jesus does. (laughs) It's Jesus changes from the inside out. Because when I got Jesus, my outside was still the same. But my inside was different. Because all of a sudden I started to realize that I had been lied to my whole childhood. Mm. And when the enemy, the people around me seemed to tell me I'm worthless. That is not the same thing my God thought about me. Mm. You know, when I realized it's not what I have, it's whose I am. Mm. Poverty left my life. And compassion didn't stop there. You know, I, I was guaranteed a plate of food on the table, clean water. They took me to hospital every time I got sick. Compassion took me to school. I was the first person in my whole family to graduate past high school. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I went on and I did my bachelor's degree in guess what? Accounting. <laughs> and, and I got, I got a scholarship to go to North Dakota State, and I did my master's in, guess what, accounting. And I sought for my CPA license. And I'm an accountant! Well. All right, well, hold on. How many of you, that's the first time you've ever clapped when somebody said, I'm an accountant? Come on, come on. 
But I'm standing here today representing what compassion does. Is I have been released from poverty in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, look at Matthew 9. Look at it. Verse 37. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. You know what's cool about today, Owen, is from the very first Sunday of this year, we prayed, Lord, we would be the laborers. Pray that we would be. We, we prayed that we would, and I, and I articulated it like this on that first Sunday of the year, that living scent is our calling. That we are to live sent by God everywhere we go. And, and you know what? I, there's, there's three reasons, and, and I'm going to have this on the screen, why I'm grateful that we are partnering with compassion. Number one is Christ is at the core of their work. I mean, they are telling people about Jesus. And they are clear with what Matthew 9, 35 through 38 articulates, like Jesus was clear with the message of the gospel. Um, I love it that Christ is at the core of their work. Second thing, I love it that the local church is their primary ministry sending agency. It's the local church. Because like we've said over and over again through this series, the mission and the message that we've been given is the only hope for the world. I believe that. And then the fact that, that it's through a church that, that God is going to use this ministry to, to communicate the gospel, the, the church that we are going to help resource. And then you know what I love about little Escarleth? She's five years old. And, and that each child has this long-term investment. And you know, we can, my family can come along and help this ministry make a long-term investment in this young lady to help her. And so, Owen, I want to ask you this. What would you say to somebody who is, has, maybe has never sponsored a child? What would you say to us? And I'm holding Anna. Anna is one of the kids who is, she's available to be sponsored. Born in 2012. And I mean, I'm, I, it's, it's so beautiful. You know, when you think about that starfish story is, I mean, what will throwing that one starfish back into the sea, what will that do? It will change the life of that starfish. And I mean, 20-some years ago, somebody saw my picture on a packet. I decided to help this little Owen, this little Owen that was worthless, hopeless, this little Owen that nobody thought would ever amount to anything. Someone raised their hand, someone reached out and took my packet and said, I'm going to sponsor this kid. I'm going to help this kid. Mm. And, and about nine years ago, I got married to the love of my life, and that was beautiful. But on our biggest day, I mean, I had something special to happen that day. And my sponsor, whose, whose name was Owen, was the best man in our wedding. Hmm. And 
So yeah, that's, and his sound was a ring bearer, which was like an icing to the cake. And I mean, wow. 20 some years ago, I promise you, you wouldn't have wanted to sit next to me. Because I was doing, I was poor. And I probably was thinking. 20 some years later, look what the Lord can do. Mm, amen. Amen. I mean, one starfish, one child. But the ripple effect that comes from that is beautiful. And, you know, the next picture there is a picture of uh, me and Joseph. Joseph is one of our sponsored kids. And, and so the reason I, we, we actually sponsored Joseph was because uh, Joseph, uh, his last name and my last name, uh, Compassion had misspelled the last name to look like mine. Uh, so they, they, they missed an, I, an N in, uh, instead of an I. So we, I saw this packet and I'm like, wow, this kid has my last name. And, you know, only people in my family have this last name. I'm like, I got to sponsor this kid. And I sponsored him and then found out that it was an I instead of an N. Uh, but we loved him. And me and my wife, we sponsored three kids through compassion. Man, and I can tell you this, it's the best $38 a month that I spent. Because I was on the other side. I was a picture on a packet. I was hopeless. I was worthless. And someone reached out and decided to sponsor me through compassion. And as a result of that, I get to invest in the lives of my, you know, our three kids. And so, you know, me and my wife, we have, you know, we have two kids and one on the way. But we sponsored three kids. And so we have, you know, we have six kids. Because when you, when you sponsor these kids, they become family. You know, they become, your, they become your daughters and your sons. And you get to love on them with the love of Jesus Christ. You get to speak life and speak hope. And that little starfish, the repo effect that comes from reaching out to this one kid, is huge. Because as a result, I've gone back and I've been able to take my whole family out of poverty in Jesus' name. And now I get to sponsor three kids. But you know the most beautiful thing? Is that when my sponsor sponsored me and I got to hear about Jesus, is the number of people who've heard about Jesus from my story. Mm. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm picturing when we get to heaven and we take what one act, one child, one starfish, and the kind of lives that have been impacted from that one act. I mean, how beautiful is that? The one guy in Wisconsin decided to reach out to a guy, a little boy, in Nairobi, Kenya. That is crazy. And then, fast forward, that guy speaking in Owasso, hmm. sharing of the goodness of the Lord. How beautiful is that? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you to do it, you know? One of, as, as an accountant, one of my biggest principles is integrity. The reason I love compassion is because they do what they say they do. They actually do help the kids. It's not just a picture on a packet. Anna is real. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. It's the best money we ever spend every month. Because I got Jesus. Man, and Jesus is not worth $38 a month. Mm -hmm. And you know the most beautiful thing? 
is you can never meet Jesus and be the same. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, Owen. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. You know, as we end today, I want Keith to come up, and I'm grateful for Keith Davis. Um, God has used him here in this church for almost 20 years. That's a long time. And um, I'll tell you what, I not only love him as a friend, I deeply respect him as a missions pastor. And when I look at what God is using him to do in the life of our church, you're, you're, you're helping us see the world. And I thank you for moving us to this strategy that in my opinion, every church in the country should adopt the here, there, and everywhere. That he, God put that on his heart. And I, I love you. And I want you to just kind of wrap this up today to, to, to kind of help us understand how and why and what. Love you, man. Thanks, Chris. So as we put our mission strategy together over years, it's always under development, right? Um, one thing we want, really wanted for this church was to provide an opportunity for families to go on a mission trip, whether that's a family of four family of two or three or just maybe even one individual from a family can go on a mission trip. And so we began praying through that, and we um, met John Carswell, who's in the foyer, and he's with Compassion. And we began talking with him about, you know, tell us, what is it you do with Compassion across the world? And he shared the vision of it, and I'm like, this is it. I asked Brad Ayler to go with me, and we went to the Dominican Republic and we went to, I believe, six different churches who have the Compassion Program in it in, Dom in the Dominican Republic. We were, a group, we were with a group of about 20 pastors from all over the country on a vision trip looking. And so we're investigating and we're watching, we're observing, we're asking questions about compassion as we're there watching kids being ministered to in these churches. And at the end of the trip, we were at a restaurant and they had all the 20 pastors there and they said, so what are your thoughts? What's one word that comes to your mind that describes what you've experienced in all these six churches in the Dominican Republic? And I'm guessing there was three or four minutes where no one said a word. I looked around the table. And all these pastors were weeping. They couldn't even talk. They were so moved. And so I told myself, Keith, just keep your mouth closed and just listen to everybody else. And Well, I couldn't keep my mouth closed. And the word that came to my mind was uh, discipleship. To me, this is one of the greatest forms of discipleship I've ever seen. So they're getting education. They're getting food, health care, counseling, and discipleship. Jesus. That's what they're getting. And then when they're 18, they kick them out into the world and Allow them to become what you've become if that's their choice and that's what they do. We came back. We shared this with Chris, and then Chris went on a trip. Actually, we sent Chris on a trip, and he went, and he experienced this firsthand. And then he came back and said, man, I agree with you. That's what we got to do. Three years in the making, and so now we're here today asking you uh, to prayerly 
prayerfully consider sponsoring a child. So let me just share this with you in closing. So we're partnering with Compassion International, who is starting a compassion program at Pastor Pablo's church in Nicaragua. You'll see a picture of Pastor Pablo and his family. He's the pastor. That's where they're going to have the school. That's where the food's going to be. That's where the discipleship's going to be, the education, the health care, right there at that church for 180 kids. So our church is sponsoring 180 kids from that specific church. So the kid that the Davis family sponsors, the kid that the wall sponsors, you know, they're mingling together. They know each other in this community. If you choose to sponsor a kid, all of our kids are hanging out in the same community, the same program, the same church. And what's really neat is that You'll have an app on your phone, Compassion International app on your phone, and you'll be able to send pictures to that child of your family and notes. And you'll be learning about each other's culture and your hobbies and your interest. Over time, you'll get to know each other and build a relationship with each other. And then, as that relationship is built, going to be an option for you as a family, as an individual, to go to Nicaragua, to Pastor Pablo's church with this church. And we're going to do a mission trip. And while we're there helping Pastor Pablo in that community, you will get to spend time and to personally meet the child that you have sponsored or the children that you're sponsoring. It's a beautiful picture. And we're so excited about this opportunity that you have to sponsor them. So at the Calvary campus and also this campus, in the foyer, there's tables, and there are adults at every table, and they're to help you through the process of filling this information card out so that you can begin sponsoring a child. So what you do is you look through the pictures, and you find somebody that you just, just maybe there's an interest, or you maybe just grab, grab one at random, and you pull the card out, you fill out the information on the card, you give that card to the adult at the table, and then you take the packet home, and then you'll receive information later that will tell you uh, all the information about the app and how everything works, okay? And so what I'd like for us to do is I'd like for us to pray, and our invitation's going to look different today. Two things are going to happen. Um, you're going to exit the worship center, and you can go to a table and sponsor a child if God's laid it on your heart. And there's a really good possibility that there's somebody here that has heard the personal testimony of Owen today. It's a really good opportunity someone's heard that. And God has moved in your heart in such a way to where you know you need to follow Jesus too. You've never made that decision to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that myself and Chris will be right here. If you'd like to talk with us about how to, how to, how to follow Christ and what that means, we'd be glad to help you through that as the rest of you are on your way to a table to sponsor a child. All right? Let's pray, and then I'll dismiss this. God, thank you so much for giving us this platform to have compassion and to share Jesus with people in Nicaragua at Pastor Pablo's church and in that community. Thank you for that opportunity. Pray that your spirit would continue to move in our hearts. Spirit would lead us and to guide us. God, we thank you for those who heard the testimony of Owen today. God, for anybody here that needs to 
choose to follow you. We pray that they would have the courage to talk someone and to ask, what's next? God, thank you for these. Thank you for our platform. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.